for the hospitality industry, it's about being hospitable. So what does that mean? It, it means when someone comes into your restaurant or when they're ordering online or when they're getting their food delivered, that they are genuinely happy about getting that. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at ovationup.com. Welcome to another edition of Give an Ovation. I am joined today by Aaron Mortensen. He's a 10-year CMO veteran, thought leader, and customer care expert. He is uh, currently the CMO of Hunger, a nationwide online ordering and food delivery service. And we've had some great times hanging out at conferences. And recently, uh, we went on a food tour in Utah, of all places, and had a great time. But Aaron, thanks for joining us on Give an Ovation. Oh, thank you, Zach, for having me. Yes, we did have a wonderful time on that food tour. I would say so myself. Yeah, it was like two days of just dietary debauchery. Um, yes, yes. Now it's so, diet time. Yeah, exactly. My diet starts tomorrow. Uh, but Aaron, I would love to understand first. Tell us a little bit about hunger. Yeah. So hunger officially launched in 2012, and so we kind of been around on the scene for a while, but we focused on building out our network and our systems. Um, you explained it pretty good in the beginning there with the, we are an online ordering and a mobile app and delivery platform. Uh, we've morphed into offering more features, especially uh, in these past 18 months. Uh, so we've added in curbside uh, ordering as well as table side ordering. Uh, but the for the focus and core of our system really is that uh, delivery centric uh, type thing for customers. So, are you a like a, a marketplace that restaurants can get on? Yeah, so uh, we're a marketplace. Um, so there's a hunger app as well as the hunger website that they can go to. A customer can go to and find a multitude of different restaurants. But then we also offer white label ordering. So if the restaurant do not have their own online ordering, we can do that directly for the restaurant with their own branding, but still utilize our network and our uh, redundancy to make sure that our systems are up. Got it. So this is, it's interesting because, you know, obviously you hear about the DoorDash, the Uber Eats, um, but you're, you're kind of like a, uh, an alternative um, are you, so is there, are there cities that you're not currently in or is it nationwide? We're, we're nationwide. So our fleet of drivers is over 175,000 drivers nationwide. Wow. So yeah, we, we certainly cover a lot of areas. Um, I'm sure there's probably some cities that we don't have as many drivers in, but we try to make sure that there's at least availability in most areas. So why does someone use like you guys as opposed to DoorDash or Uber Eats? Um, I would say it really comes down to two things. If you're on the restaurant standpoint, um, they're going to use us based off our pricing. So we're a third of the price of what most restaurants are paying for delivery service. So we're at 12% and we don't add on any other fees. That includes all their credit card fees and everything within that 12%. 
And then the other aspect of it is uh, the fact that we will share data with the restaurants versus just what? we don't do anything. Yeah. What? So, people, people can do that. You can share can data. That. Whoa! It's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. No, so we have a uh, insight tool that we provide to the restaurants that tells them not only where their deliveries are going, but the actual customer data behind it, and they are able to then see. Uh, what their average order is, and then they can go beyond that. They can actually then see what their neighboring uh, customers are coming from and what they're ordering. So it's a really powerful marketing tool. Um, it's one thing to say, hey, we're going to give you a bunch of data, and that certainly sets us apart from most other delivery platforms. But then we also go beyond that and say, hey, we're going to give you the tools to actually do something with it too. All right, so Aaron, as someone who is tinkering with the dark arts of third party and the beautiful white magic of first party ordering. You're, you're kind of sitting in both those worlds. It seems to me like you've built what uh, I think people are calling like a really a friendly third party solution and a really practical first party solution. So the question is, why are DoorDash, Uber Eats, why are these companies really labeled as like the, the big bad wolf? Well, I mean, it comes if you're a restaurant and you're looking at these companies and you say, hey, I'm doing all these sales, but I don't know who I'm selling to. You can never remarket to those people. I, I'm not saying that every restaurant needs to do first party native delivery because there's huge costs associated with that, that a lot of restaurants don't take into consideration at first. They think, oh, I'm just going to do my own delivery. And they don't realize, oh, there's insurance, there's vehicle costs and all this. But when you look at the DoorDash and the Uber Eats and the Grubhubs, you know, because they're not sharing that data, that makes it really hard for the restaurant to do anything with. And at 30%, it's really not sustainable for a restaurant. I mean, if you only had a kitchen with one staff and it was the owner that was the cook, yeah, you could probably get away with 30%. But long-term, it's not. It's kind of that Groupon model where, hey, we're going to give 50% away and then take 50% more. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's great for the splash to get the sales at first, but long term, it'll bankrupt you. Yeah, totally. So what are what, what have you seen people um, people doing that has been successful with online ordering? Like, you know, you obviously have a lot of visibility into it. What are some maybe mistakes and what are some uh, some good things that people are doing? Yeah, so. um In the online ordering space, and certainly the last 18 months has accelerated and went from 10 miles an hour to 17,500 miles an hour. And that would yeah. be my only space reference for this. <laughs> um, but with that in mind, you know, a lot of restaurants are saying, hey, we're going to put uh, either a pared down menu and take away all our popular items and only offer the ones that we have high margins on to kind of cover that 30%. But what's happening is their customers are saying, hey, I'm still looking for that one dish that I used to come into your restaurant for. Mm. So not putting their correct menu online or even putting their full menu online to where their customers are able to order what they want. Because if I'm craving that one dish and it's not available, yeah, I might go ahead and order something else, but I'm going to be you know, less than happy about getting that other thing. So it's really making yeah. sure you put and, the right. And how would you recommend 
doing that in terms of the right menu is that the entire menu because like quite frankly aaron there are just some things that don't travel well right yeah. it's it's hard to get some things to um to you know travel and so people just leave them off of the menu for online are you saying that's a bad idea or what what, you, what is your recommendation well you think of it as a consumer so you know Unfortunately, I don't know why the McDonald's soft serve vanilla ice cream is on their menu for online ordering and delivery, um, specifically for delivery. It melts as soon as you're leaving the drive through. Mm -hmm. So that would be an item that I would not put online, even though it's a great popular item. It's just like you said, it doesn't travel well. It's not practical. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes to all these other items, really evaluate your food, make all these different dishes. Yeah, you might lose some money in preparing them. And then drive them 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away and do a taste test. Does it still taste the same? No customer is expecting that they're going to have the same temperature uh, for a pizza or for a burger or anything at home than they did when it came right out of the oven. So don't think that you have to meet that expectation, but at least make sure your flavor profiles are the same and that the basics of that item is able to travel. The customer is willing to, you know, they know if they're eating at home on their couch watching a football game, it's okay. They might have to throw it in the microwave. It's not life and death. And I think just as a lot of restaurants would have reheating instructions, not a bad idea to put it on there, right? Like when you leave Olive Garden with that bag, they on the bag is printed how to reheat those breadsticks. You know, yeah. um, we have a customer righteous slice in Idaho and they put the reheat instructions because they have artisan wood fire pizza. And you can't just like throw that in the microwave on high for 30 seconds and expect it to be as good as in the restaurant. So I think those are some of the things that um, are really needed is, is the education aspect of things, letting people know uh, how to, how to consume it when they get it, especially if it requires a little bit of extra, extra work. And I will say as a consumer who has experienced that, I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that they took the time to try it out, to order food, to get their food delivered to them 45 minutes later, and then to heat it up and try, okay, if we heat it up this way, it works well. If we heat it up that way, it doesn't work well. Um, I think those, those little things really drive trust and trust equals true loyalty, not, yeah. not a punch card loyalty, but true loyalty. Well, and, and going with that, you know, all these restaurants talk about, well, if I'm doing off premise, I'm losing that connection to the customer. I'm losing that touch point that I would have had if they were dining in. This is a great area to be able to continue that touch and continue that, you know, uh, experience for the consumer by putting chef notes on there hey, thanks for ordering our fettuccine Alfredo. Remember, add a little bit of cream to it to get our Alfredo sauce back to the right consistency when you're reheating. You know, something to that effect, but coming from the restaurant or from the cook staff, it's a great way to continue that experience. And going along with that experience, what do you think is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. But it's really, it's the same thing that it always has been. For the hospitality industry, it's about being hospitable. So what does that mean? It means when someone comes into your restaurant or when they're ordering online 
or when they're getting their food delivered, that they are genuinely happy about getting that. Mm. So how do you create that happiness? You make sure your orders are consistent. Make sure you're not missing out items. Make sure uh, everything that they ordered is there the way they ordered it. And by doing that, you're able to continue that guest experience. You're able to continue that happiness. And you're not going to have complaints. You're not going to worry about, you know, getting a one-star Yelp review because you forgot something. So it's just getting back to that original, you know, hospitality. Or I really should say an ovation review, but, you know, we'll pretend (laughs) we can cut that out and, you know, adjust it. Um, But yeah, so it's just making sure that you can continue that guest experience and do everything that you need to as a restaurant to make that guest happy. I love that. And I think that you're someone I've seen go above and beyond to make sure that guests are happy for the listeners here. Aaron, I'm going to call you out on this. Okay. Okay. I was, I was on, this has happened two times when I've been hanging out with Aaron that, and this is like a couple weeks apart that he gets a phone call and he goes, excuse me. And I'm like, Aaron, we're hanging out, man. Like you're taking a phone call. He takes a phone call and he goes, okay, apple pie. Okay, great. Well, okay. Sounds good. We'll, we'll get that over to you. The regular. Okay. All right. All right. Bye-bye. And then I'm like, what are you? And then he pulls out his phone. He starts texting. I'm like, Aaron, what are you doing? Aaron takes a call. There was, there was a restaurant who ended up through a convoluted way, ended up giving a woman who was trying to order Aaron's personal cell phone number. And she calls him to place the order because she's not like super tech savvy. But Aaron, how often do you place an order for her? Every day. Every day. That's crazy. He's got almost 200,000 drivers in his company and he places an order for this old lady every single day. I think it's, uh, anyway, I just want to give you props for that, Aaron. I think that's super cool, man. And, right. and it really is. About she appreciates it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause I mean, otherwise, what is she going to do? Right? Like you're, you're her lifeline to, to food. So anyway, bravo for that, man. Um, so we, we talked about some of the things that people are doing that are a mistake, you know, in terms of like their, their menu and, and lack of communication. What are some things that you're seeing that have been very successful lately? Um, you know, the acceptance of promoting online ordering and doing delivery and meeting their customer wherever they're at. So a lot of restaurants were like reluctant to that. So just joining that bandwagon, don't be afraid of it. It's not going to bite. It's not going to hurt. You got to get on board to be able to meet that customer. But going beyond that, creating that customized user experience. Mm -hmm. So things where online ordering greets you by name or remembers your orders or presents your favorites. You know, it's the same way as having walking into a restaurant and having uh, sit, sitting down at a table and having a server walk up to you and say, Hey, nice to see you, Zach. I know you're ready for that pizza and that root beer. And I know you're going to love those dessert knots again. Uh, I'll get it. I already got it in the system for you. It'll be out in just a couple minutes. You don't even need to worry about ordering. I got you. Well, you can continue that experience. And a lot of restaurants are starting to do that and advancing that online ordering to be able to do that. Totally. I think that personalization you can't take the humans out of hospitality. Technology is not replacing the hospitality. It's enhancing it. And so use technology to give that personal, uh, that personal touch. Um, yeah. and lastly, then, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Aaron. I was going to say, and then 
doing the online ordering is great, but then that follow-up, that after they get their food, that making sure that they were happy, that they enjoyed it, that they didn't have any complaints, that's crucial. It's the same way as when you're walking on the restaurant, hey, was everything great? You know, their customers are going to say yes or no, or if there was an issue, hopefully they're saying it. But by being able to reach them, you know, kind of on that one-to-one aspect when it's online, they're also a lot more likely to respond and let you know, hey, yeah, it was great except for. Yep. And then you can actually fix something because otherwise you're going to run your restaurant blind. Totally. And hey, you don't need to preach uh, this choir, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I had a feeling you knew a little bit about that. (laughs) So lastly, Aaron, who deserves an ovation in the restaurant industry today? I would say these robotics companies that are coming online. Oh, interesting. Because, you know, they're there and there's several of them. There's Picnic, Miso, uh, there, you know, there's many more than that even, but, you know, they're able to bring in some things that help assist that restaurant, especially with staffing being so tough these days where you can uh, augment some of the tasks that could be done by a robot. And at the same time, be able to use the staff that you have on site that can do multiple different things at one time. Um, So it's just going to really improve the efficiency and the consistency of that restaurant, especially the back of house. Yeah, there's some really cool robotics things going on right now. Really excited about the future of that. And uh, I think that there's never been a time that has been more important um, to get into robotics. And right now with labor shortages and this isn't a blip. This is part of what is where is going to be the next normal. And so I think that's something that we all need to get on that bandwagon about. So totally agree with that, Aaron. Um, Aaron, how do people find you, follow you? So they can find us easily at hunger.com. And it's H-U-N-G-R. H-U-N-G-R. Yep. Drop the E. Hunger. Uh, so hunger.com. Yes, yes. Um and we're also on all the social media platforms, LinkedIn, all the other things as well. But the main way is through hunger.com or downloading our app if you need to. Awesome. Well, Aaron, for being able to manage a workforce of over 200,000 all the way down to working with a single grandma who doesn't know how to use technology, today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for being such a great guy and for joining us on Given Ovation. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.